This is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 38, recorded on Sunday the 27th of April 2014. Hello again. Okay, first first off, let's have what the military, or what I guess the military would say in a movie of which I've seen far too many. So here's a sit-rap. I am currently recording, recording from... Uh, a small, unused room. Basically because it's the only place I can get any uh, decent soundproofing. And it's not perfect. There's a window behind me and there's a wall that I can actually hear reflecting sound despite all the soft furnishings in the room and spare mattresses and other junk. But it's not uncomfortable. I'm wedged up against my ginormous beanbag, which is what that rustling is, and uh, okay, enough levity and on with the show, or, or in fact more levity and on with the show. So let's see, uh, news this week, if you look at the website roymatur.com, R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R, you'll see that it's got a new look. If you click on the header, uh, a slight difference uh, from traditional websites that will take you back to the home page is that you'll get a one of a set of random but relevant links. I was just playing around with JavaScript and it seemed to work. Next piece of news, I told you last week that I'm training to DJ at a local hospital radio station. The training is still going ahead, I'm still doing it, Um, I'm itching to get on the mic myself, though when I had a chance to guest on Friday, I realised how nerve-wracking it is and how many... uh, buttons and bits of technology, even if it's not the newest technology, are in front of you. So I probably could do with a little bit of training. Right, and the next news item was really the first thing I was talking about in the podcast, saying that I'm uh, podcasting from a room which should have a bit less echo than last time. So, this week we continue, as always, with the Doctor Who Marathon, and we're on to... Well, we're with the first Doctor again, we're still in Series 1, but we're now at Adventure or Story 7, entitled The Sensorites. There are six episodes, and these were first broadcast from the 20th June... To the 1st of August 1964. The writer is Peter R. Newman. The director, Mervyn Pinfield for episodes 1 to 4, and Frank Cox for episodes 5 to 6. The producer, as always, is Verity Lambert. And the cast is William Hartnell as the Doctor, Caroline Ford as Susan Foreman, Jacqueline Hill as Barbara Wright, and William Russell as Ian Chesterton. So a brief synopsis is for this particular story is that the TARDIS lands the crew in a spaceship from the future with an apparently dead crew. After, well, they're apparently dead, but they are eventually revived and it turns out that they are in an ongoing conflict with some aliens called the Sensorites from a nearby planet called the Sense Sphere. 
the uh, there is a conflict over valuable minerals and I, mean, I really hope I pronounce this right. Uh, the, the mineral in question is molybdenum. M-O-L-Y-B-D-E-N-U-M. I, I think that's that thing that they mix to make that alloy for bicycles. Anyway, the, the alien's planet is rich with this mineral. And they fear that the humans want to want to take their planet away from them. During the course of events, the Doctor does visit the Scent Sphere, and while helping reverse a mystery illness, discovers that the cause of the mystery illness is in fact an earlier human survey team who are fighting a very dirty war by using chemical warfare uh, to harm the aliens. So that's the basics of the plot. Uh, what I found um, quite nice is seeing the Doctor perform some kind of rudimentary fake science. I'm not sure what he was doing. Uh, but but it, he did things with test tubes that looked convincing, which was quite nice for a change because he is supposed to be an eccentric scientist. Now, my view of the episode as a whole is... So, as with the Daleks before, who seem to resemble the Nazis, uh, in this adventure, it's the humans themselves who represent Western colonial power ripping off the less powerful country. Interesting that the Doctor Who series seems to be taking it in this direction by talking about things that are quite grown-up political, uh, things to do with economics, important questions within the format of what is ostensibly simple sci-fi escapism. Interesting also is that this British drama seems highly critical of the only recently deceased British Empire itself. I found that rather surprising, considering this is the early 60s. I think the most telling Easter egg hint that this is the case is that the aliens have, or, or refer to um, their, the social... Nature, the social strata of their civilization as being organized in a caste system. Not, in fact, unlike India. Not a good thing, of course, but a strong and very obvious shove to tell the audience that this story really is about the evils of colonialism. But leaving aside politics for a moment, good, good story, good sets and proper sci-fi, so a nice one. Uh, right, so I did watch two whole adventures this week. Um, so the next one that I watched was, so from, it is the series finale of series one, so that's the eighth story. And this one's entitled The Reign of Terror, episodes 1 to 6, first broadcast from the 8th of August, 
to the 12th of September 1964. The writer is Dennis Spooner. The director, Heinrich Hirsch. Producer, Verity Lambert. And the cast as it is exactly the same as the last episode. So, uh, right, on with the synopsis. Now, the Doctor, as unpredictable as always, says that he is finally fed up um, of Ian and Barbara and wants rid of them. So that, that happened right after the, the Sensorite adventure. And it seemed quite an abrupt change in the Doctor's character, but Barbara and Ian seem to take it in their stride, although Susan's quite sad that is very sad, almost devastated that they're leaving. But, uh, so, well, the Doctor takes the TARDIS back to Earth. However, as we've noticed before, the Doctor's control of the TARDIS is sketchy at most, so not entirely confident of the Doctor's abilities. They ask him to accompany them outside to check whether that they are really back in their own time and location and you know it's it's fairly obvious that they're not going to be so of course they're not uh, it turns out that they're in doc- the doctor's favorite period of earth's history which is the reign of terror during the french revolution it, it it does worry me a bit that the Doctor finds this the most uh, fascinating of all of Earth's history, one of the bloodiest and, and nastiest part of Earth's history. You've probably read about this or been taught about this in school. It was that period in the 18th century of the Revolution when the country is basically rebelled against its aristocratic rulers. Uh, A bunch of lawyers are now in charge, and they're executing as many aristos as they can get their hands on. So that's the scene, that the the, uh, period in history that our team have ended up in. Quite a paranoid and, and bloody part of history. So they land, they land in this uh, in France during this period, and after a bit uh, of walking around and exploring, the group, though not including the doctor, who is believed dead in a fire, are captured, imprisoned, and then threatened with Madame Guillotine. So then it's up to the doctor to rescue them. And through a series of adventures through revolutionary France, which includes meeting many well made a typo there, well known figures from history such as uh, Robespierre, and I did wiki the guy's name, the full name, because when I watched the show, I realised I I'd never really been told what his full name was, and it's quite grand. 
So the the terrifying figure from the French Revolution of Robespierre, his full name is, in fact, Maximilien Marie Isidore de Robespierre. We also meet a young Napoleon Bonaparte, during the course of the Doctor's trek through France. And through some extreme cunning, he does manage to rescue the rest of his team, and eventually they all end up going off together in the TARDIS, all one happy family again. So my view of this episode... Right. So this is the final drama of series one and it's another historical drama uh, like uh, let's see the the Aztecs and Marco Polo and it is pretty pretty good as Doctor Who costume dramas go particularly and I thought I, I, I actually found this delightful that we see the Doctor coping quite well for a supposedly doddering old man. In fact, there is one scene in that I really liked. It, it really made me laugh, this scene. So the Doctor, what does he do? He, he's on this chain gang thing. He's somehow been captured. And there comes a point when he has to escape. And the Doctor, well, he clocks the chain gang box right over the head with his hoe. And he doesn't hold back on the swing either. He really lets the bloke have it good and proper. He cranks the thing right behind his head and whacks the guy. Uh, I mean, it's a children's TV programme, so you see the guy breathing, uh, well, snoring quite happily, unconsciously afterwards. But you think, if you really hit someone that hard with a hoe, uh, their head would explode like a melon. I... I don't know about the wisdom of... I don't think they would do this in a more modern episode of Doctor Who for fear that children might actually try this with each other. Though I've got a pretty good memory of being a child and I'm pretty sure even if I'd watched that on Doctor Who I certainly wouldn't have tried that with anyone else. Right, what else... Yeah, and the other the other thing I quite liked, or, or, or I noticed, I'm starting to notice anyway, is that I think that Carol Ann Ford, who is the actress who plays Barbara, must have friends in the Beebs costume department. I'm saying this because her outfits always look great, or at least they have done since the Aztecs, where she had this amazing uh, goddess-like outfit. And if you want to hear about the Aztecs adventure, we talked about that in last week's podcast, which would have been Podcast 37. So yeah, an enjoyable adventure and a nice way to round off Series 1. So, apart from Doctor Who, I did watch one other thing of note this week. Uh, well, not this week, but a while back. And I thought I'd talk about it now. 
because it doesn't look like it's going on any more of a general release. And sorry, I should have mentioned the movie first. I'm talking about Veronica Mars 2014, which came out as a limited release, I think, last month, or was it the month before? But it about a month ago. And I was thinking that it'd go on more general release, but it never did. So this is the movie that came out after a successful Kickstarter campaign by fans to bring out a movie of the show, which, if you remember some years back, was a teen detective high school drama, where Veronica is, I think she's a new kid in town, and her best friend is murdered, and the series goes through her adventures trying to solve the murder of her friend. But anyway, this is the movie spin-off, years later, and we find Veronica, now almost a hotshot city lawyer, she is qualified out of university, she's got good grades, she's got an t- interview at a top firm, and they're ready to offer her the job. So that's the scene as it is. Oh, and she's got quite a nice boyfriend and an apartment, and everything's just going really smoothly. And so that's the scene, and then what happens is she ends up returning to that small, corrupt town of Neptune, California, to help out a friend accused of murder. So she goes back for just a little temporary uh, favour to a friend, and while she's there, she also goes back to visit her dad, who still lives there and still works as a private detective. And we're back into reunion-slash-nostalgia-type territory here, with many of the old characters popping up, and Veronica inevitably getting sucked back into the town's affairs, a town that she had left so very long ago. And what else can I tell you about the movie? There are some funny bits with nods to shows of a similar audience demographic. Uh, Take, for example, like uh, Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, with Sarah Michelle Gellar. And the the bit that I'm thinking about in the movie is when, when a character says that the town really is built on a hellmouth, which is what the town from Buffy was built on, and he's referring to the fact that the town is so unpleasant, which I, I thought was quite funny at the time. There is also a nice little self-parodying segment with James Franco playing himself. Uh, I, I think telling you about it is not going to spoil anything, but the, there's a scene where he is, he there's uh, an internet, a YouTube video of him that's got loose, and instead of being the usual uh, sex video, it's James Franco trying to get, trying to vainly get into, in both senses of the word, trying to get into a pair of skinny fit jeans. I, I, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, let's see. 
Okay, so those were the funny bits. But, you know, what I'd say all in all is it, it felt like very, very standard fare and very strongly reminiscent of the old Chope's soapy nature. I read online after I w over the next few weeks that the movie suffered from uh, what you could call design by committee or, or rather in this case design by fans so rather than finding its own voice I think the creators of the movie because the fans had basically paid for it uh, took a lot of the ideas that the fans wanted to see and kind of rolled it up into one one movie. And I don't think it really worked. Um, not really because the, st the story was fine, the acting was fine, everything seemed polished. In fact, it seemed a little too polished. I think the... What they could have done to improve it was maybe play with the photography and the editing... Uh, it could have been done in a more, a little more imaginative way rather than that standard soap format that most shows are made in. I was hoping for something with a bit of Michael Mann-like glitz and maybe a bit of Nolan-esque memento-like flashback editing. Uh, but no, it was a fairly straight linear narrative. You know what, I'm, I'm mostly reminded of the X-Files movie. Do you remember when that came out years and years ago? Not a terrible movie, but it just seemed like an extended episode of the TV series rather than anything to really blow your socks off. The other thing is that the film ends quite depressingly too, and I don't mean badly, I mean... The the character the the story the let's see let's say this uh, yeah the the personal arcs of many of the main characters kind of went out with a fizzle rather than the bang so all in all not a terrible movie but just not fantastic. Um, if you can, I don't know if it's out on Blu-ray yet or DVD or whether it will be, but it's the sort of thing you'd probably be better off watching at home rather than going to the cinema. Oh, but you know what? On on a pos to end this on a positive note. Uh, during the end credits, at the beginning of the end credits, they play. A great song. They play We Used To Be Friends by the Dandy Warhols, a song that I really like. And they play it in the end credits, and it seems oddly, strangely, sadly, poignantly appropriate for the end of the movie. So that was Veronica Mars 2014. I haven't got much else to talk about this week. I've talked about everything I wanted to review. Uh, I suppose next week we'll be continuing with the Doctor Who marathon. I have to see where we are in the lineup because at some stage what I want to do is talk about the Doctor Who movies 
the first two movies that we're going to talk about are the, um, the pair of Amicus movies, Doctor Who and the Daleks, and Doctor Who Dalek, something, Apocalypse 2000, I can't remember what it is offhand, not in front of the computer at the moment. And I think those came out in '65, so we'll do. We'll try and do the whole series chronolo- either chronologically by output of Doctor Who material, or maybe the all the uh, television first and the movies later. I'm not quite sure yet. We'll see how things stand later on. But stay tuned for that if you're enjoying it. If you're not enjoying it, you know, stay tuned anyway, and you can just laugh at me ironically in a hipster-like manner. Uh, right, yeah, and on that note, so please rate the show at iTunes. The links are all accessible from RoyMatur.com, that's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. As is the blog, if you want to go to the blog, just go to that side and click on the link for blog. You can also email me, again, from the site that I just mentioned, or tweet me. I'm at Roy Matur, at R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. And tell me your ideas. Tell me what you want to review. Not just Doctor Who material, but it could be anything genre-based. So that's sci-fi, horror, or fantasy, mostly. I mean, I do talk about other things, but that's the main... Uh, that's the mainstay of the podcast. Also, if you want to be on the show, let me know. And just generally get in touch, please. And, yeah, you can... My email is on the website I just mentioned, but I'll mention it anyway. It's roy.matur, at gmail.com. So that's it for the show for the 27th of April 2014 and that was this was sorry Roy's Rocket Radio episode 38 so thanks for listening goodbye and see you next week bye <laughs>